You want to know what lacks sense? What makes dollars because it makes sense? The hip-hop industry, with all of its ploys that bolsters the use of boys and their toys, and women as figures just to be disrespected and their own emphatic demise. Like dudes are after the ladies for with everything except for their very essence, what they were made for, their beauty, their presence. And if you see what they really get, they stay in the morgue chasing after death, and yet they're begging for more. And ladies looking for love in empty tombs, hoping that the next will yield the promises of a father's, the promises of a father's beauty that they hold intrinsically. But nonetheless, they are consumed for the lust of the fairy tale that they so attentively capture on the screen, where what she sees is what she dreams, and what she dreams to her is so serene. But alas, she awakes to the sad reality every morning when she's mourning. Prince Charming is so far away in twilight, not just the movie never ceases to go away. But oh, how I wish you knew before you threw your heart into the streets and hoped for somebody to come to pick it up, to cultivate it to anew. But fairy tales is all she ever received. And if you really think about it, if we really think about it, we'll see where we coined the phrase make believe in hopes to meet the savior of her heart one day. But he's not come to her knowledge for she's been searching for love in all of the wrong places. When, in fact, love has been searching for her and calling to her, even when she may be found in all of the wrong places, knowing that with him there are no wrong places and only strong, secure love that has created her for this one union that far surpasses the past relationships that were all in a state of indefinite stasis. From the moment of conception, the Savior was on a mission to seek and save us who were lost. The brokenhearted, the tired, the angry, the sinful, the whole of humanity, and every people group to be called to himself, the elect, where every tear of distress will be turned into tears of joy and exuberance. My dear mother, father, sister, brother, auntie, uncle, nephew, nieces, and cousins, and Northeast Campus family, this is you and me. It is we, us, and them. It is a holistic view of the issue that is the very essence and antithesis of our being, sin. You see, it is not a mistake that we're fallen, and it cannot be covered up by our Louis Vuitton fig leaves or by our seductive insecurities. For it is only by this one reality, this one reality alone, this one reality alone. Christ's birth, his death, his resurrection that can and does and will bring the revolution of our souls. Thank you. We generally associate the phrase, I'm only human, with our mistakes, right? Maybe you've seen that insurance commercial where the dude draws, he saws the limb off the tree and drops it on the neighbor's car. Hey, I'm only human. I was driving a big shuttle van through the coffee line at the Kaladi Brothers on Brayton Drive. Uh, one of the airport-looking shuttles that you can haul about 25 people in. Yeah, that's the idea. And the brake pedal on this van was about 10 inches off the floor. And uh, so I'm sitting there in the coffee line, and I took my foot off the brake to reach behind me to steady some stuff that was rolling around. And I neglected to realize that the vehicle was still in gear. So when I took my foot off the pedal, the shuttle began to move forward. 
No problem. I calmly put my foot where the brake pedal should be and did not realize that my foot was under the brake pedal. The van's moving forward, so I stomp on the floor. I'm getting scared, so I stomp again. I stomp a third and fourth time, and about the fifth time, I mashed my foot to the floor to stop this gigantic shuttle from hitting the brand new Escalade in front of me with the lady leaning out her window to retrieve a tray full of scalding coffee from the barista. My foot found the gas pedal and mashed it to the floor. I hit that Escalade so hard it launched it out into the parking lot. And uh, the barista standing there with the coffee, the, looking at this vehicle that had now replaced the one in front of her. And she's looking out the window at this mangled Escalade, and nobody knew what had happened. It happened that quick. I'm only human, right? Why do we say, say that as if our excuse for being alive and making mistakes is being human, and that's a bad thing? And let me talk a little bit more about the world's version of what it means to be human. The background of that commercial I mentioned earlier is a goofy 80s song by the name of, by the, it's titled Human. How many of you have heard the song? 80s people, come on now. Don't leave me hanging. All right. Okay, here's the lyrics. I don't know if you remember the lyrics of this. I went back and looked at the lyrics of the song. This is what it says. I'm not lying. Go look it up. Come on, baby, dry your eyes. Wipe your tears. I never like to see you cry. Won't you please forgive me? I would never try to hurt you. I just needed someone to hold me to fill the void while you were gone, to fill the space of emptiness. I'm only human. Of flesh and blood I'm made, human born to make mistakes. Then the girlfriend says, toward the end of the song in the bridge, she kind of whispers this, the tears I cry are not tears of pain. They're only to hide my guilt and shame, and I forgive you, now I ask the same of you, because while you were gone, I was human too. Yuck. Yeah, that makes me want to be human. I'd rather be Chewbacca or a tree sloth. That's gross, right? Well, the world swings the other way, too, to revenge. Here's a, here's a letter from a young lady who's been cheated on by her boyfriend, and she's not happy. Hey, honey, guess who left his Facebook open on the computer and got a message from Kelsey? Yeah, you. But don't worry, I didn't break anything. Actually, I was nice enough to package your things, and I even invented a neat game since I know you like looking for things like other girls. So here's where you'll find your stuff. Your clothes are where we, we first met. Your video games are where we first kissed. Your laptop is where we bought our first video game together. And everything else, including the pictures of our last two years of life together, is at Kelsey's house. Have fun and know while I didn't break or damage anything, I can't guarantee that anybody else won't find it. Happy hunting. Now, it's funny, but is revenge what it means to be human? Or do we stay in sick relationships and just patronize each other and cheat on each other and harm each other? Is that what it means to be human? What does it mean to be human? What is the nature of humanity? Hey, by the way, it's a family service, so the, the kid thing doesn't bother me. It's awesome. It's just life, okay? If the adults start yelling, all right, totally cool with it. What does it mean to be human? What is the nature of humanity? And what does the Bible say about the nature of humanity? And what do we believe about the nature of humanity? That's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to do this a little bit differently because I'm going to come back next week and give you part two of this message. So I've, I've basically written one, I've, I've written one message spread over two weeks. This is the first part. 
Next week, we're going to talk about what we believe about salvation. From what are we being saved? What does it mean to be saved? What is the threat to our life such that we need to be saved? I'm going to treat both of these topics with one message broken into two parts. So the title of this message is, I'm Only Human, What We Believe About Humanity and Salvation, and this week is part one. So you've got to come back next week to get part two. I highly suggest that. Because we have to treat the question of, wh- of why humanity is so messed up and why it has to be saved, and from what. So I hope you can be here. I'm only human. Hey, come on. Give me, cut me some slack. I'm only human. Really? Come on. Give me some room. What if I told you that the way we use that phrase, I'm only human, is diametrically, absolutely, positively opposed to Scripture's view of humanity? Completely. And we're great at shaming ourselves, aren't we? Like We are our own worst critic. But the truth is, according to Scripture, first point, we are each made one of a kind. Each one of us. We are each made one of a kind. I want you to get a picture in your mind of the most important or most influential person in your life. Let me ask you that again. Get a picture in your mind of the most important, most influential person in your life. Good, bad, ugly, hurtful, scary, loving, caring, teaching, mentoring. Think about the most influential person in your life. Now, if you're human, you just saw a face that quick. You have a face in your mind of that person. Now, tell yourself the truth about it. The most influential, most important person in your life. Here's my question. Have you, in your life, met another person who is exactly the same as the person you are seeing in your mind right now? And, of course, the answer is no. Here's another one. Raise your hand if you have parents. Just making sure you're paying attention. Can anyone, for better or worse, take the place of your mom or dad? Anyone? No. Now raise your hand if you are a parent. Lots of us are parents in here. Can anyone, for better or worse, take the place of one of your kids? No. Final exercise, and this one's kind of hard for me. I want you to think about yourself, who you are, as you sit here today. Think about yourself. Who you are, what you like, what you hate, what makes you laugh, what makes you cry, what you're great at, what you're not so great at, what scares you, what you think about when no one else is around. Where do your thoughts grow, go when you're in a group of people? If you're an adult, what was it like for you to be in your skin in the school you went to when you were a kid? What was it like to be you in your home? If you're a student, what's it like to be inside of your head in the school you go to right now? It's a scary place, isn't it? I don't know if there's a season in my life that I can remember that was harder than high school. My goodness. It's a wonder I got out of there alive. High school's rough. What's it like for you as a student, as a child, to be in your own home? Consider yourself, your aptitudes, your attitudes your strengths, your weaknesses, the stuff you tell yourself about you, the messages you believe about you. Deep water, huh? What's churning inside of you? Ask yourself that as you sit here. This is a side note. What may, what may come alive inside of you in this moment, in this place, is the place where the Spirit of God makes His home.
Greg talked about spirituality last week. The place where God lives is in the seat of your identity, who you are. It's the place where God desires to live. It's where all the spiritual warfare takes place. So this humanity question you see is important because in the part of you that has an identity that is uniquely yours, you have a spirit that is uniquely you. You are made spiritual with a spiritual identity that you share with no one who has ever existed or ever will. That's what makes you human. You're made one of a kind. I believe Jesus would have you know today here in this place that you are made one of a kind. Matthew 10, 30 is Jesus asking a question. He says, are not two, two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I know if you've been around here a while, I, hear, I talk about this all the time, but we are so beset in our culture with a message that we're all the same as if we're interchangeable. But Matthew 18 says, don't despise any one of these little ones. He's talking about kids. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. What's he talking about? You are not an expendable mass of DNA that can talk. You are not replaceable. You're not an accident. You are not the product of an evolutionary statistic that even agnostic atheist mathematicians will tell you is highly improbable to the point of being impossible. You're not an accident. You have an individual persona, a nature, a voice, a collection of feelings and needs and cravings and dreams and aspirations and talents, tendencies and wonderful gifts and and appropriate limitations. Creativity, the capacity to consider and think about things. And it all comes together in an amazing way to form a fashioned being with an identity that is totally and finally and beautifully you. And that we're all in this room today, 99.99% genetically identical. It's the truth. We're all sitting in this room, almost completely genetically identical, and yet we're all different. We're all one of a kind. Beautiful miracle. It's a self-attesting and self-evident truth. Try to replace anyone you know. Try to be replaced. Not possible. You're made one of a kind. And secondly, you are made on purpose for a purpose. You're made one of a kind, and you're made on purpose for a purpose. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. And to every bird of the of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. 
and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. We are made on purpose for a purpose. Listen closely now. As human beings, the majority of people are moved by good and purposeful things. As human beings, the majority of people are moved by good and purposeful things. Let me show you. Even in secular culture, this is true. Another self-evident truth. Take a look at the stories we gravitate toward. These are the themes of the, t- of the highest grossing movies of all time. I'm not going to give you the movies, but I did a little bit of research. These are the themes of the highest grossing movies of all time. Anti-racism, patriotism, stewardship, class warfare, inequality, true love, friendship, identity, justice, triumph of good over evil, loyalty, grieving loss, saying goodbye, growing up and leaving home, destiny, spirituality, religion, family, God versus Satan, heroism, courage, just to name a few. Most people are drawn from the inside out toward themes that unlock something deep in our soul. It's a God thing. Romans 1 says, Romans 1.19 says that, we can be know, that what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. The movies portraying these aforementioned themes have generated a combined total of over $31 billion. We have spent 2% of the national debt watching movies that contain themes that speak to what's important to us. So what? So what's the point? The point is that what we're interested in, what we ache for as human beings, says something about the way we're made. Our imaginations, our aspirations, and everything in between are drawn toward purposeful and meaningful things. Even if we view them from afar and they are mere fantasy, and even if they become perverted and twisted and crazy and they become methods of control, it doesn't change the fact that we are made to crave God. We're made with a God-shaped hole in our life. Everybody is. And even, in our, even, if, even if in our sin nature we try to manufacture a false version of each of these themes, duh, of course we do. Look around. Doesn't change the fact we ache for something on the inside. All creation groans. That's what 1 Corinthians says. You're not going to hear a high school graduate over the last couple of months say, yeah, my aspiration is to do something completely meaningless by the time I'm 40 years old. You're going to hear a lot of kids coming out of high school say, I want to build things. I want to live big. I want to help people, maybe. I want to start a family. I want to make a home. I want to have a real life. We hear that stuff over and over again. Our capacity to dream big says something about our nature. We are each made one of a kind, and we're made on purpose for a purpose. We desire and crave to matter. It's a God thing. If you come back next week, we'll talk about why it gets all twisted up. Third point, we are fashioned by God to be with God. We are fashioned by God to be with God. Genesis 26.3 says, I will be with you and bless you. Genesis 31.3 says, I will be with you. Exodus 3.12 says, I will be with you. Exodus 4.12 says, I will be your mouth and teach you. Exodus 6.7 says, I will be your God. Exodus 33 says, I will be gracious and I will show mercy to you. Joshua 1 verse 5 says, I will be with you, with you, with you, with you. That's just the first few books of the Bible. I will be with you. Jesus said it right before he ascended into heaven at the end of Matthew. He says, you know what? Life sucks. That's the Lee translation. 
In this world, you will have trouble. It's going to be hard. But I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. Made by God to be with God. I get asked this question all the time. Well, why did God create man? And what's the purpose of all this? Just a big experiment, or what is it? Well, I believe one of the reasons, I believe the Scriptures teach that one of the reasons why He created us is just to be with us. If you really want to mess with theology, just think about whether or not God is lonely. Because I think He is. There's no morality attached to it. He just aches to be with us. That's called loneliness. Lonely to be with you and me. I might get a phone call or two over that. But God dreams about that. It's His dream. Powerful truth. Scripture says He desires to rejoice over us with singing and dancing. Jose sang it today. It's God's desire to rejoice over us with singing and dancing. He wants to be with us in everything we do. And how does He want to be with us? Well, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is made up of Joe. Well, that wasn't Joe. Sorry, Jose. <laughs> Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is made up of people who are childlike. What are kids like? Well, they dream big, and they hurt big, and they cry big, and they laugh big. And full-hearted kids breathe life, and they create energy. That's why they can be so exhausting. But kids have no idea of what, of what can and cannot be accomplished. They just can't. They don't. Healthy, well-adjusted kids live in the moment, and they don't sweat the small stuff, and they drink life. I got to jump off and tell you this story, just a paragraph. My son, my son basically conned my, his uncle out of this old beat-up Ford pickup. Yeah, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. And they've cut this deal, and of course, everybody knows what's going on, but he'll get the money at some point. We're talking about a few hundred dollars, right? So we get this heap back to Anchorage. This was about a month ago. My son had never driven a stick shift pickup. This is, a, this is an old 70s Ford F2, F-250 pickup. Like, this is a man's truck, okay? With the st- he'd, never even, he'd never sat behind a stick shift at all, okay? Long story short, a couple days later, I come home. Truck's not in the driveway. It doesn't have a title. It barely has a clutch. The brakes don't work. I mean, it's like you got to stomp. you got to pump them to get the thing to stop, you know? And if this thing hits something, whatever it hits is going to move, okay? Big truck. Truck is gone. I called him. I said, where are you? Oh, I'm across town. What are you doing across town? Oh, I went over to one of my friend's house. What are you driving? The truck. I said, you drove across Anchorage in a truck that you'd never driven before, and it's a stick shift? He says, I was just feeling it, man. I have gray hairs with my kids' names on them. I love it, though, man. I just, they just drink life. I'm going. Crazy. I was in the sixth grade. I scavenged together a bunch of two-by-two two lumber, just sticks, basically, out of, my, out, of my grand, out of the pile of stuff my grandfather had. And I was going to, I built, I actually built a fuselage for an airplane in the basement. Kind of, Okay. And I was going to put a lawnmower engine in this, in this thing and fly in circles above my house because I wanted to buzz the cattle out in the field and chase them around in my little airplane that I was going to build in my basement. 
Now, of course, that never happened. I was in the sixth grade, but you couldn't have told me then it wasn't going to take place. Like, I'm going to do it, right? Jesus loves that stuff. It's the way we're made, to do big things. Point is, God made me to be like that. Why? So he could just be with me in it. And watch what happens next. If you go back to Genesis 1, God says to Adam, hey, go settle this great big world that I've given you. Go be yourself in it. I've given it to you. I've given, everything, given you everything you need in it. And Scripture doesn't really give Adam a roadmap for that. Why? Because I truly believe it is, it's because God created us with a nature to just figure it out as we go. And, and then he does it with us. He's just there. It's beautiful. God made us just to be with him. It's not about the destination. It never is. It's about what's happening in life with him. Hey, you go be you and be with me in it because I'll always be with you. Let's go do stuff. Beautiful. Made one of a kind. Made on purpose for a purpose. Made to be with God. Final point. We are made, to go, made by God to be with other people. We are made by God to be with other people. John 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is the key verse. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. What does it mean to bear fruit? In a nutshell, bearing fruit means that I, as, I, as we step fully into the way God has made us, to be beautifully human, made with a purpose to be with God and other people. Hear me now. There are people whose lives will be forever changed as the result of our having been with them. If you didn't catch that, let me, let me read it again. There are people whose lives will be forever changed as a result of us being involved in their lives. And the same is true in reverse. Like our lives will never be the same as a result of the investments others make in us. It's part of our design. I go back through my own history. A Welsh pastor with this thick Welsh accent. It sounds kind of like British, but not really. This dude, was a, he was a fantastic soccer player. He came to be the pastor at our church out in the middle of Wyoming. Why, I don't know. But he was, this guy could play volleyball with his feet. He was amazing. And I remember uh, I was sitting in his office, and we studied the Scriptures together, and we'd talk about what it meant to be a pastor. I was 13 years old. Eighth-grade English teacher who saw me in the middle of all the stuff I was going through and challenged me to believe the truth that I had worth and value. A couple who led my youth group, they operated a family-owned butcher shop across the road hung out with the youth group on the weekends, Bruce and Evelyn. And they sat in the student ministry room and prayed for me, stayed with me, cried with me, didn't give me a lot of advice. I don't remember them telling me to do anything. They just stayed with me, took me as I was. High school counselor of sophomore year, high school counselor who pulled me into her office and signed me up for a musical production 20, 20 miles away. And she says, you need to go do something productive with your life or it's going to be not good. Go. You're late changed my life I moved to Alaska Pastor Kent Redfern right over here at Muldoon Community Assembly 
He was the youth pastor at the time. He was in his early 20s. I was 17. Made huge investments in a very mixed-up 17-year-old. And he did so without a shred of condemnation. I still have some notes from some of the sermons he preached then. And I was into some dangerous stuff. And he just stayed. Much later, Pastor Keith Lowers, who's more of a presence than a person. He's teaching me currently how to be a father who remains present in the life of his children without issuing discipline just so we can control how they turn out as if that were possible. I have three mentors that don't live in the state who charge headlong into my life. And they introduced me to a, a life with Jesus that's, I thought I knew how to follow Jesus until they came along. One of my best friends is a painting contractor, and he invites me all the time to tell the truth about how scary it is to be a real friend. Pastor Greg and Dennis and Jose, there's a couple in this church by the name of Carrie and Ty Whitty. Man, they've seen me at my best and worst. It goes on and on and on. So you have those stories, too. My life is not a testimony of accomplishment and achievement as much as it is the, the evidence of the spiritual investment of others and the imprint of, their, of other people who chose to be with me when I was not lovable. And they choose to be with me still when I'm not lovable. And they encourage me like crazy to love and live deeply because it's what I'm made for, just like you. So if there's anything valuable coming out of me, it's because of the fingerprints of, of people God has put in my life and used to shape me. So we're made to be with other people. And it's to God's glory that we bear much fruit as a result of those investments. So you guys can come on up. It is to the glory of God for us to be in the life, in the life of other people and for other, be, other people to be with us in our humanity. I love it. <coughs> made one of a kind. Made on purpose for a purpose. Made by God to be with God. Made by God to be with others. That's what it means to be human. And it's what we believe about the nature of humanity. So I want to give you this thought, and I, and I want to beg you to come back next week if you can. Uh, if, you, if you know people who aren't here, just have them go listen to this today so that they can catch up before next week. But I want to give you one final thought. Here's the truth. We are created as humans, human beings. That's not a noun. It's a verb. Humans who are being. We are created as human beings. We were, however, or we are now, wounded, inhuman, human doings. We were or we are now wounded, very wounded, inhuman, human doings. That's why we need the saving grace of Jesus. But you've got to come back for that next week. Okay? Amen.